Welcome to Culture Wire. I'm your host, Meg Schiffler. We're here at Southern Exposure, which recently opened the doors to a brand new home in the Mission District. We couldn't resist checking out their new space. And later we'll take a closer look at their current exhibition and talk to one of the artists. We'll also celebrate a very big birthday and discover some important cultural treasures at one of our local high schools. When I was given the chance to show at Southern Exposure, one of the goals that they set out was to push artists to try new things. Last month, the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art turned 75 and kicked off a year-long celebration featuring a series of exhibitions and events that tell the story of the people who helped shape the museum into the world-class institution that it is today. Director of Cultural Affairs Luis Cancel recently visited SFMAMA, where he met director Neil Benezra and curators Janet Bishop and Dominic Wilson. As the city of San Francisco has grown, there are a number of cultural organizations that have grown with it. Uh, of course, the San Francisco Symphony, the ballet, and this year we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of the SF MoMA, the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. And one of the things that many of our viewers may not understand about museums is that the way that they grow and evolve is really about a broad participation and support from many individuals who give their collections to the museum. And this year, the SF MoMA is going to be celebrating uh, and acknowledging those individuals through an exhibition called the Anniversary Show. And joining me to talk about that and the 75th anniversary is Janet Bishop, the curator of painting and drawings. So Janet, I understand that you have been with the museum for quite a number of years and of course uh, remember its original home on Van Ness at the War Memorial Building mm -hmm. and, uh, and now you were part of that transition that brought you to Yelba Buena Center mm -hmm. and Civic Center and, uh, and of course your museum has been really the anchor cultural tenant uh, that has helped to transform this area of the city. Well, I mean, to my mind, really, you know, more is more, and it's wonderful to be part of such a rich cultural community here. Um, when visitors come to this area, they have so many different uh, options available to them. But let's talk about your anniversary show, which is going to be such a phenomenal opportunity for San Franciscans and all visitors of the city to get a, a real sense of how the museum has grown and the important cultural role that you've played. What we've really done is focus on moments where SF MoMA was involved in pushing the dialogue about contemporary art forward. The Jackson Pollock um, exhibition that we had here in 1945 is a perfect example of that. Um, our founding director, Grace McCann Morley, was deeply interested in abstraction and was engaged in a dialogue with Pollock's dealer, Peggy Guggenheim, about bringing the Pollock show to the West Coast the original price for the painting was $750. Morally, our director felt like that was just going to be too much of a stretch for the Board of Trustees, and so she convinced Peggy Guggenheim to reduce the price to $500 and, and, uh, and, and wrote to her saying it was just what was needed to persuade the Board. 
the collection that we have is not a sort of objective history of art, but it's a very subjective history of art that has been very much shaped by the individuals who have been involved with the museum over the years. We start in 1935 with a gallery that is devoted to work that came in through um, Albert Bender. He was one of our founding trustees. Um, when we opened our doors, um, January 18th, 1935, 181 of the 186 pieces in our permanent collection had been gifts of Bender. What are some other outstanding names that, that sort of you know, pop out for you in the, uh, as the museum evolved and grew? We have another gallery um, that looks at the new work series that this muse museum has held here um, since the late 1980s. We focus on a particular um, aspect of, of that program um, that developed under uh, one of our former curators, John Caldwell. He um, arrived in San Francisco in 1989 and was especially interested in artists who were engaged with issues of appropriation. What are some of the collection edition highlights that, that have happened since you, you've been in this position? One of the aspects of the museum's program that I've been especially involved with has been the um, Sika Art Award exhibitions. It stands for Society for the Encouragement of Contemporary Art and is really intended to honor exceptional Bay Area artists early in their careers. For instance, a, um, uh, an early work by Barry McGee, um, who showed here in 1996. Um, for this exhibition, he's, he's extended it and um, updated it to 2010 with, um, with the addition of, of photographs and, and, and other framed works. Thank you, Janet, for being part of Culture Wire. My pleasure. Thanks, Louise. As we examine the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art 75th anniversary, we can't overlook its important role as an educational institution and how it brings public programs to all of our citizens in the Bay Area. And joining me now uh, to talk about that is Dominic Wilsden, the Leanne and George Roberts Curator of Education and Public Programs. You're vested with really a kind of a multifaceted uh, responsibility that involves education, but also a lot of multimedia as well. Could you explain that, all the different hats you wear here at the museum? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there already are sort of three main areas in my department. There's, uh, there's uh, we produce uh, uh, education activities for, uh, for all ages, K through 12, uh, and adults. Um, and then we also produce a lot of um, uh, interpretive or educational media um, that uh, a lot of um, interviews with artists, a lot of stuff we publish online um, and to various, uh, uh, various ways in the galleries. And then also there's an area of public programs which includes uh, some educational activities but also uh, some live cultural programming, um, film, performance, artist projects, things like that. What are all the ways that the museum sort of reaches out to audiences? The latest kind of new platform for educational media is uh, is launching just right now with this anniversary. We've um, uh, got to the point where we can put a lot of uh, the fantastic kind of content about artists and stories behind artists that we've had online for some time. Put those onto uh, iPod Touch. Could you talk a little bit about you know sort of the more traditional educational role that the museum? Uh, you know, plays in the city of San Francisco. Yeah, we've actually, we're in the middle of uh, a, uh, a new initiative to um, uh, provide more and uh, resources and programs for families uh, in the locality. Uh, we've benefiting from a, a, a grant from the Wallace Foundation that we're in the middle of now. Um, and in the last two years, we've, we've 
uh, the many, many more uh, Bay Area families are coming to the museum and participating in the programs, most of which take place on Sundays. Um, and you, we're going to see more and more uh, different uh, offerings of families being rolled out in the coming months and over the next year or two. Well, thank you, Dominic, for being part of Culture Wire. Thanks very much. As we know, museums are really a, almost like a team sport. There's a tremendous amount of talented staff that are put together, uh, patrons that help to support the institution, uh, but all of them need a coach. And the coach of the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, its director, Neil Medezra. So, Neil, could you let us, uh, our viewers, know um, you've been director of the museum for how long now? Uh, it's, we're working on eight years, about seven and a half years. And, and now you've got the 75th anniversary uh, that you've been preparing for. How does that feel? You know, we opened this building in 1995, January 1995. And it was thought at that time that the move from uh, the Civic Center and the Veterans Building in particular to 3rd Street into, the, into our new building in 1995, much expanded space, much better space, would have uh, been more than adequate, would have been wonderful for the museum for decades to come. And in 15 short years, we've been uh, amazed to find that we've outgrown this building. Uh, the collection's grown from, I think, 12,000 works to 26,000 currently. So was it really challenging to decide what was going to be put on display during the anniversary year? Three curators on our staff, Janet Bishop, Corey Keller, and Sarah Roberts, spent, I think, about two and a half years uh, really going through archives and through our storage vaults and, and unearthing all kinds of, not just works that we hadn't seen uh, in the galleries very much, but also a lot of history that we uncovered about how we presented a television show uh, produced by the museum, in the museum, in 1950 about contemporary art and design. So there are a lot of great stories that the, that, the, uh, that, that the presentation of the collection tells. And, of course, the most recent exciting news uh, was the incredible uh, decision on the part of uh, Don and Doris Fisher uh, to give their collection in, in custodianship to the, the SF MoMA. I think it's commonly understood that the Fisher collection with 1,100 works uh, by some of the great modern masters and contemporary masters is one of the great collections in the world, not just in this community or the Bay Area or the, or the state, but in the world. <clears throat> but in fact, the collection's not been seen. It's, it's been stored largely at the Gallup headquarters, um, but there's never been a publication, there's never been an exhibition. Uh, the bequest of the Fisher Collection and the additional expansion to Howard Street is going to really ratchet up the museum over the course of the next 15 years. But what do you think in total over the next 25 years the museum will be like? It's important to say that we're very committed to expanding the museum, expanding the collections, uh, you know, overall growth of the museum. But one of the things that's very important to us, and we're just about to enter in a strategic planning process, actually, where this will be a key and really fundamental question that we want to address is how, how will SF MoMA grow and, and continue and really enhance its engagement with this community? Uh, it's not enough that a museum have great works in its collection, make great exhibitions, run wonderful education programs. It's how, how, does, how does an institution grow and at the same time enhance its relationship with, with this community? And this is something that's very, very important to us and that we're quite committed to. Well, Neil, on behalf of the residents of San Francisco, we want to thank you for really shepherding this institution through its this incredible growth phase. And, uh, you know, thank you for being part of Culture Wire. My pleasure. Thank you.
Don't miss out on the museum's exciting anniversary programs and events. Visit sfmoma.org for more information. During the 1930s, Roosevelt's New Deal swept across San Francisco, bringing energy and industry to every corner of the city. From the construction of Coit Tower and the sponsorship of the building's vast mural project to the creation of parks, libraries, and schools, these federal projects dramatically enhanced the landscape and helped make San Francisco the cultural icon that it is today. The San Francisco Arts Commission recently joined forces with SFMOMA's conservation team to rehabilitate several important WPA-era artworks at George Washington High School. Here's a sneak peek at the project. Many people are not aware that this building was built in 1936 during the WPA, and it's very important to preserve the history and to make our students aware of that history. The partnering between SFMOMA and the Arts Commission will mean to the faculty, the staff, and the students that they will become more aware of the artwork that we have here, the artists that painted it, and the history behind the school itself. Students came from George Washington to present the works of art at their school. And it was really wonderful to have them on a panel with um, you know, senior members of the Arts uh, Commission, um, people from the school board, um, uh, muralists who've been painting for years, uh, wall paintings conservator from the Getty. Um, so to have the students sitting up there on stage with us and to tell us about the works at their school was really important. Sergeant Johnson's an artist that is represented very well in this collection. He's an African-American artist who, during the 20s and 30s, produced an incredible body of work. The piece lines the uh, athletic fields at George Washington High is one of the most incredible works of art in this city, bar none. It's a huge, colossal, really, mural of relief sculpture, which is an incredible work. San Francisco's Civic Art Collection has been in existence since the turn of the century. It consists of everything from monuments in Golden Gate Park to monuments along Market Street uh, to other works in the collection from the WPA era, Coit Tower, the works here at George Washington High School. On the west side of the library, we have Ralph Stackpole's Contemporary Education, where he depicts some of the vocational arts that were taught at George Washington High School at the time. What's interesting in this particular piece is the artist's incorporation of some of the architectural elements. Two students working on a radio transmitter and Stackpole used the speaker from the PA system as a part of the design. So on the opposite side of the library, we have a large fresco by Lucien Lebeau, which depicts the academic subjects that were taught at the time. And the piece serves as a foil to the other fresco located in the library in that you have academic subjects on one side, vocational subjects on the other, and the result is a concept of a well-rounded education. Additionally, what we plan to do is begin a docent program that our Academy of Hospitality and Tourism students will be a part of so that the students can share with other students, faculty, the neighborhood, and other people that want to come by and look at the artwork that we have. By working with the students at George Washington High School to develop a student-led docent program, we hope to raise awareness of the Civic Art Collection and foster um, future stewardship. The lobby mural which is the largest of the work in the building um, and is 
approximately 1,600 square feet, which is larger than any single mural in Quake Tower. That was um, painted by Victor Arnatoff, who actually was an apprentice to Diego Rivera and was instrumental in bringing Diego Rivera to the city. I think of WPA-era artwork as being characterized by of a stylized robustness and of a pervasive occupation with the historical. In this panel, we have a depiction of George Washington instructing the move west. What's interesting about it is the image of what I'm assuming is Lewis and Clark here is in black and white. Um, something that's occurring in the future is painted as though it was in the past. Uh, the north panel depicts typical industries of the period, um, but what's interesting about it is, is the very obvious inclusion of um, slavery. During the 60s, late 60s and early 70s, a number of students were expressing unease around some of the themes in the murals. The students insisted that additional mural be placed in the school, one with a more positive and inclusive representation of the student body. In 1974, Dewey Crumpler completed three panels that were then placed in the lobby. Its panels depict Native and Latino, Asian American, and African American heritage and culture. As you really go through and learn about the artwork and what the artist was thinking about, the history comes alive, and that's the experience that we want to have for our students here. And I'd also like to see that they could share that with past alumni and uh, the community so that they can know the treasure that we have here in the school. Many people have the same experience that I did when I first walked into this building three years ago, being the new principal. The grandeur of these murals are fantastic. Many of the students that have come to Washington come in and they're very, very proud of these murals. They come back and they say, we're so happy that they're still here and they're being preserved. To learn more about the city's civic art collection, visit sfartscommission.org slash pubartcollection. Southern Exposure has been a local leader in presenting cutting-edge art and educational community programs. Its current exhibition includes Gray Area by San Francisco-based artist Andy Vogt, who works with salvaged building materials to explore new architectural and sculptural forms. Andy has joined us here at Southern Exposure to introduce us to Gray Area. The original inspiration for Gray Area came from visiting Southern Exposure during its, its renovation, during the build-out of the gallery. The sun was streaming through these little holes and illuminating the dust in the gallery. So I started looking at the, at the idea of a beam of sunlight coming through a window, but thinking about the windows as sort of a, a portal or a two-dimensional sort of point of view, I thought, well, what about intersecting two opposing points of view? When they do meet, they form a, almost like an isometric cube. This sort of compression of space is something I've carried over from my drawing. And once I realized I could actually make a three-dimensional cube that, that had elements of isometric drawing, that's where the shape really took hold in my mind. It's wood strips that have been submerged underneath layers of plaster inside old houses. It always has a light side and a dark side, and every batch is different. Uh, some of it could be as old as, you know, 150 years. 
I wasn't originally attached to that history, but the more I work with it, the more I realize it's a part of how the history of the city was created. When I was given the chance to show at Southern Exposure, one of the goals that they set out was to push artists to try new things. This is kind of the most literally architectural, structural piece that I've ever created. It's reusing old material, but trying to make new structures that are more about an idea than a, about a, a literal structural purpose. You can look at the piece either as a departure point for the materials from their sort of status as trash to something that's usable. Gray area also refers to a sort of an opposition of two differing points of view. Southern Exposure also has on view a new work by Lacey Jane Roberts. She spent over a year knitting her installation, building it up to tear it down, creating a new surface for a chain link fence. Scopes and Scapes by Genevieve Quick provides viewers with a new way to look at the world through her handmade retro-futuristic optical devices. Southern Exposure is located at 3030 20th Street. For more information about upcoming programs and exhibitions, visit SOEX.org. The San Francisco Arts Commission Gallery is very pleased to present Lux, an exhibition of large-scale photographic banners by San Francisco-based artist Christina Feely. This banner installation in City Hall's North Light Court features portraits of cities within the most brightly illuminated regions on NASA's map of Earth at night. This project brings awareness to light pollution and the overconsumption of resources. Stop by City Hall to view the banners Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Our exhibitions at City Hall are always free. Writers' Corps joins forces with four museums to present Claim the Block, featuring readings by young writers connecting with San Francisco and its art. The first program will include students from Downtown High School and Ida B. Wells High School and will take place on February 13th, 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. at the Museum of the African Diaspora. Admission is $2. For more information about future Claim the Block events, visit writerscore.org. Kearney Street Workshop and the Nina Dresden Gallery present the Lost and Found Solo Exhibition, featuring works by Trong Tran, a local artist who creates art with everyday materials. This exhibition is on view through February 26th at Nina Dresden Gallery at 312 Valencia Street. For more information, visit ninadresden.com. Also, don't miss the incomparable Rodessa Jones in The Breach, which features theater, dance, and video, exploring reparations for African Americans. The Breach will run from February 18 through the 28th at the African American Arts and Culture Complex. For more information, visit culturalodyssey.org. In addition to being the host of Culture Wire, I'm also the director of the San Francisco Arts Commission Gallery. This year marks the gallery's 40th anniversary. 
And on the next episode of Culture Wire, we're going to celebrate the past, the present, and the future with a look at some of our exciting exhibitions. We'll also meet some local artists and curators who have made their mark on the gallery and on the San Francisco art scene. You can send us your arts and events listings or tell us what you'd like to see on future shows by emailing us at culturewire at sfgov.org. Thanks for watching Culture Wire on SFGTV.